0: Everyone bring your umbrellas. It's raining squids.
1: Welcome back to the Watchmen Podcast. Today we're breaking down HBO's Watchmen Episode 4. If you don't like my story, go write your own. Directed by Andrish Perek I hope that's how you say his name. And written by Damon Lindelof and Crystal Henry. Andrish Perek is primarily a cinematographer. I guess now he's taking a shot at directing he has worked on shows like Thirteen Reasons Why and Succession, and some other stuff I never heard of.
0: Wow! So your new version of the intro has nothing to do with me anymore, huh?
1: Oh, right. Yeah, I'm not alone. Wow. I'm not alone here. Wow. Like Ryan's here as well. Oh,
0: thanks. Thanks for pointing that out. Really appreciate it. I was just, I was deciding. I was like, maybe just don't say anything. Maybe he's not that important to you. Anyway. I <laughs> forgot.
1: Hey, hi, Ryan. Hey, man.
0: Yeah, I'll jump in on this subject of the last two people that you were talking about. Crystal Henry has been a writer on some TV projects, one by Matt Nix, the guy who made Burn Notice, which I really like. And the director whose name I'm definitely not going to... You've already tried. It didn't go well. I'm not going to do any better. Like you said, is a director on Succession, and he's directing a new series called Brave New World, which is a TV adaption. Of a Aldous Huxley book, and it's being EP'd by Steven Spielberg. So, sounds like he knows, you know, what he's doing. Also, James, we are halfway through this show. Basically, this is a we we, we call it a show, but it's not. It's a mini series. We should start calling it a mini series because that's what it is. We're we're delusional for not calling it a mini series. We just by calling it anything else, it's just like we just don't want it to be not. We want it to be not a mini series, but it is. Anyway, we're halfway through. This thing's half over already.
1: Yeah, I wonder... It's it's been such a critical success, and I don't know what the ratings have been, but I assume it's a popular show based on the hype that seems to be appearing online. Is there a chance that HBO will be like, Nah, man, we need season two.
0: There's obviously a chance for it, but every time Damon Lindelof has been asked about season two, he always said, like, No, this is a mini-series. I had a a show. I made one show. I basically wrote a, a sequel to the Watchmen original comic book and then put that comic book on the screen. So if someone else wants to write another comic book and put it on the screen, they can do so. But I already put my comic book on the screen. So, I mean, it feels like he doesn't believe... Like, he believes so much in the IP of the Watchmen and respects it so much... That he thinks, like, this is a hot potato. I shouldn't be allowed one try at this. If someone else wants to try after me, go for it. But I already put in my hard day's work trying to make this thing. I know Alan Moore's pissed. So I'm good. I did one.
1: It's so good, though. I wish, like, one of Alan Moore's, you know, black magic wizard friends would talk him into watching it. Because he might like it.
0: If his druidic friends could go to his hut one day and, you know, in between his meditation sessions... And thinking about the almighty Satan. Is he a Satanist? I don't know. Anywho, uh, in between that, if they could just be like, dude, just watch it. And he'd be like, oh, fine. Episode four begins on a
1: little farm out in Oklahoma. The Clarks, an idyllic middle-aged farm couple, are living their day-to-day life. And it's very saccharine and sweet. They're selling eggs and washing dishes and cuddling at night.
0: A cover of Island in the Stream by Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton is playing. We port, as you said, to the Clark Farm. Probably a reference to Clark Kent. Like like Superman. Uh, uh, The Superman references come and go in this show. They're selling eggs. Eggs is a huge part of this show. So many people talk and have to do with eggs for some reason. And as they go to sleep, the doorbell rings... Just a regular old farm, they do regular old things, until one day, Lady Treo shows up and they're like, oh, what's up, dude? Lady True shows up in the middle of the night
1: and tells them that she has exactly three minutes to make a proposition to buy their farm. They're not going to move on it until she comes out with this insane gambit. <laughs> she knows that they're infertile couple, and so she bought the fertility clinic that they had used which gave her the opportunity to manipulate their you know the samples that they had used to un to make i don't know how exactly she did it she manipulated the dna of like their sperm and eggs that they had they had deposited there and and created a baby from what should have been infertile eggs or just lied
0: about it i don't think she lied about it i think she took that dna and turns out she's that cloning bitch and she's making clones, and she can... I think multiple people in this show that we've already met are, are clones, not just Mr. Phillips and Miss Crookshanks. I, I think she made that baby, James, which is a amazing negotiation tactic. Give me your house, or... I mean, she like hands them the baby, like, you want to hold the baby? Do you want to hold your possible child? And then when they're about to be like, I don't know, she's like, well, I could just destroy the baby and i was like wow you very nonchalantly just talked about murdering babies but but jk she's like i'm gonna kill the baby jk i don't think she's jk'ing dude in this scene also they say like you're the billionaire building the big clock down the road and she corrects them being like no 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 you missed a comma i am a trillionaire i need everyone to know that and the reason that she had
1: three minutes only to buy this farmhouse and the 40 acres of land that surrounds it is because the second that the deal is sealed, an asteroid falls from the sky. Uh, sorry, I guess when it, when it falls from the sky, it becomes a, a meteoroid. And it smashes into the ground, and everyone's surprised except her. And she's like, all right, bingo, there's my asteroid. Thank you, and good night.
0: So she can see the future, question mark? Knew that was going to land there, question mark? Or does she know something that the rest of the cast doesn't? Or can she see the future? I was thinking as she was handing over the little boy to this family. It's a very watch over this boy moment. OB, William with the piece of paper that says watch over this boy. We're just handing out kids these days.
1: Back at her faux bakery... Angelus burning the note, trying to destroy the evidence that would lead back to Will. Gets a call from the Cultural Heritage Center, where she... <laughs> it's, 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 it's late at night, so it's it's closed. So she calls in a, that she's reporting a break-in and then breaks in herself. Because she's a cop and she can do that. Kind of uh, being more on the vigilante side now.
0: When we see her in the bakery, we hear the answering machine... And it says, Milk and Hanoi Bakery, let Saigon's be bygones, which is just solid. That's a wonderful detail. And as you said, yeah, she breaks into the Cultural Heritage Center because she just like made up a way to do so. She's a very smart lady. And she breaks in and goes up to the robot she was talking to. I found out that robot is... Played by a guy named Henry Louis Gates Jr. or Louis Gates Jr. He was the Harvard professor who got arrested for trying to get into his own home in Cambridge. Which led to Obama call the Cambridge police and they said it acted stupidly. Anyway, he's like playing the Secretary of Treasury. But he is also a part of our real history and yeah, this is all a ploy to go see her family tree, which is a hologram inexplicably.
1: Oh, he's the professor from the Beer Summit. Correct. That was that was when American politics was hokey and fun. Right. Now it's it's uh, now it's sad.
0: Now it's <laughs> just sad. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Keep the energy up, James. Don't let the sadness anchor you down. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
1: she analyzes her own DNA and is given an acorn which she can bring to the family tree room which then shows her her extensive family tree. And because now she has entered Will into the database, it can reveal to her the history of her grandparents, who were wealthy and successful citizens of Oklahoma
0: before the race riots. And at the end of this, there is a large crash outside, which she turns her attention to
1: yeah the, the the car falls in the sky and we catch up to the end of episode three.
0: Lori Blake pulls a gun Lori on Angela there, <laughs>
1: she's laughing her ass off yeah, and then pulls a gun on Angela.
0: Angela gets in the car. The first thing she checks is the glove compartment because it's her car, so she's checking if the red pills are still in the glove and uh, Lori's like, "Your car fell out of the sky." And Angela's like, yeah, that's that's a solid. Anyway, cool costume. you know your car fell out of the sky? Very weird. Angela calls for a tow truck to
1: come, you know, pick up the recovered stolen vehicle. And Lori is just like immediately, you know, catches on to all of this. Nothing's getting past her. It's like, yeah, you're suspicious. You're involved in this Judd murder somehow.
0: Thanks for completely letting me know that you're involved.
1: Okay, I gotta go. Bye. Angela goes home and everybody's asleep. Her bed is filled with her daughter's. So she goes to her children's room and tries to sleep in the bunk bed in Topher's room.
0: Topher is awake. He asks his mother if she was scared when she was at the cemetery and saving everybody's life. And she was like, Yeah, man. And I still am scared to soothe his mother's feelings. Topher hands her a stuffed animal, and the stuffed animal was Babastus, Ozymandias' pet purple lynx.
1: I didn't catch that. That was cool. The next day at breakfast, she's talking with Cal. She catches him up on what's going on. The kids are fighting over at the breakfast table about whether or not Judd is in heaven. So Cal comes over and just says, like, no, heaven is a lie. Uh, When you die, you go, you return to nothing.
0: Which was kind of brutal. Yeah, it was so brutal. He was just like, "Guys, (laughs) listen up." Look, it it sounded like it was about to be a monologue from Full House. That's like, "Guys, Judd is in hell." Yeah, listen, he's not in hell either. Uh, He's nothing. We all become nothing when we die. Anyway, does that make you feel better? Also, this scene is one to remember as we tie in in the theory section later, because the internet has some juice, James. Okay, I have subscribed to said juice. And I would like to share the juice the internet has provided with me, and to me later. And it has to do with Cal and him not believing Kevin or Hellard's realist. Probably a part
1: of it. So I I don't personally believe in heaven, but I think if you oh, know, oh wow,
0: we're gonna tell him all this our secrets,
1: dude. Well, no, I'm just saying, like you know, when my kids are like five and six, if somebody dies and they think he's in heaven, I would just let them go on. Thinking that, if it made them feel better, mm. I wouldn't say like, nah, there's no heaven, he's, he's rotten in the ground. So you're
0: taking the Santa Claus approach. Right. Yeah. And by the way, well, Santa Claus is real, right? I mean, I, I know Santa Claus is yeah. real.
1: All, all you little kids out there listening to our labeled explicit podcast about an HBO show with, with full frontal nudity, Santa Claus is Santa real. Santa
0: Claus is real. Hashtag Santa Claus is real. Angela goes to visit
1: Looking Glass at his house, which is a underground bunker he's kind of a king of the hill dale gribble figure
0: yeah if dale gribble was scared of giant squids from other dimensions
1: yeah inside he's developing photo negatives that he's taken of the squid fall of the squids before they melted and he's he expresses sympathy for them he's like you know these poor squids they drop in here from another dimension they only get to live for 30 seconds before they melt they're
0: just as scared as we are You can tell that his life has been heavily affected by the squids Squids. and the information that there are other dimensions. We see that next week we're going to have an A story that has Looking Glass in it. So I believe we're going to get to expound upon this scene. He gets handed the pills from Angela. We'll have to talk about the end what we think those pills are because I think it will become important very soon. And also she hands over the KKK outfit... And she's like, hey, so, you know, look at this.
1: Yeah, Looking Glass wonders if maybe he's either in the 7th Cavalry or this is some kind of family heirloom. There's a telling remark when Angela says, like, did you know he was a racist? And Looking Glass says, well, he was a, a white man in Oklahoma. <laughs> Which, uh, Looking Glass is also a white man in Oklahoma. He
0: is. He's. He is also that. And Timothy Blake Nelson, who plays Looking Glass, is literally from Tulsa.
1: After leaving there, she takes what I guess are the broken parts of the wheelchair in a duffel bag, throws them from an overpass onto the garbage compartment of a train, which is a clever way to dispose of evidence, I guess. Except that some guy dressed as a gray alien, super scrawny guy, is watching her do this.
0: So do we assume that it's the wheelchair? It could have also possibly been the KKK outfit, although he she hands that to Looking Glass, right? So that's why we believe yeah. that it's the wheelchair. She turns around, and Silver Surfer Luber Gentleman is definitely watching her. A person, a person watching the Watchman, and the only person that we've met who that could possibly be is Gumby Pete.
1: Yeah, I thought it was Petey. Yeah,
0: and then a foot race ensues, and I think it's. At the end, one of the better endings of any foot race I've ever seen on film, he takes out a bunch of oil, lubes himself up, and then, like, (laughs) just slides into the sewer. Like, that's a superpower. Like, Dr. Manhattan has superpowers, but this Luber guy, he's going places.
1: And I love Angela's reaction to this. She just throws her hands up like, what the fuck?
0: Because what could you do? <laughs> he wins. He's, he's, he's gone. He's much better than me at this masked vigilante thing. He literally just lubed himself into the sewer. Also, by the way, the music in this scene by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, the music in general, so stupidly good. It was so stupid that it's so good.
1: Back at the station, she asks Red Scare and what, Lady Pirate Girl, I forget her
0: Pirate name. Jenny.
1: Yeah, about Loop Man, and they, they don't have any idea about that. Then she sees that Lori has now taken over Judd's office, which nobody seems happy about.
0: As she gets out of the elevator, Keen is there. We still believe that Keen probably set himself up to get kidnapped, right? And he's nefarious in some way. It's just less likely for him to be not morally corrupt at this point, right?
1: Yeah, he also just has, like, the, the veneer of someone who is putting on a show and is just doing this to gain further power also he, he's, he wants to
0: run against our 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 best boy robert redford who's been a great president oh robbie red but yeah i mean you've seen movies right you've seen television you kind of you kind of know when you meet the villain and when you meet this guy you're you're kind of think ah, oh, i i think he's one of the villains He's also kind of
1: controlling what's going on with this whole Judd murder thing. Like, I don't think Judd being murdered factored into Keane's plans, and that's why he wants Lori on this case, because she maybe is the best woman for the job, and he wants this settled.
0: Right, so he can move on with becoming president of the United States. Lori, by the way, in Judd's office, Angela walks in, remarks, it's not a great way for the cops outside of this office not to hate her, but Blake doesn't care. She's too cool.
1: Petey comes into the office and tells her they can follow up on a lead with the car. And they all drive together in what I think was the best scene of the show.
0: Petey is there to tell the people who haven't read the comic books about the comic books. And I guess to lube himself up. So he has two roles.
1: Yeah, so they're having a discussion on the nature of what drives a person to vigilantism and past traumas. There's a really good exchange where she's like, you know, people wear masks to cover up the pain. Angela says, no, I'd wear a mask to protect myself. Right. Protect yourself right, from the from pain.
0: The pain. <laughs> Previous to this, we learned some things about William Reeves. He was a cop in New York City in the 40s and 50s, retired young, fell off the grid, over 100 years old if still alive, and Blake remarks to Angela in, you know, who goes around in wheelchairs, 100-year-olds. So, I'm great at this right. job.
1: She She basically has this figured out. Your grandfather hung Judd, and now you're you're covering for him somehow.
0: As Petey goes over the canon of The Watchmen, we get reiterated that in the real world, not in the TV show that Petey refers to as quote-unquote garbage. Yeah, he doesn't like American Hero Story. I thought it looked pretty <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, well, Petey's a real fan, okay? And real fans don't... Uh, Re- Petey would be mad that this miniseries is being made. You know what I mean? Because of Alan, Alan Moore's ri- wishes. Anyway, in the real world, the comedian sexually assaulted Sil Specter back in the 40s. And Blake found that out later. And Petey is telling everyone this in just the most matter-of-fact way.
1: Yeah, it, although I don't think they explained it that well, honestly. Because, yeah, the comedian did try to sexually assault Sally Jupiter, Laurie's mom. But he didn't succeed. He was stopped by Hooded Justice.
0: Who's most likely William.
1: And then... Actually, it was years later that, like, despite that horrible thing that happened, Lori's mom and the comedian, like, got together and kind of had a love affair after that, which is weird, and, you know, that's a weird part of the story, but that's what happened.
0: So I wonder if Petey's wrong or if they just changed canon. I feel like Damon Lindelof wouldn't just change something to fit something he thought of like, I, I don't think he was trying to rewrite any of Watchmen, right?
1: Yeah, I wonder. That 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 storyline is probably one of the more problematic parts of the original comic. And so if you were going to rewrite something, that could be uh, on the chopping block.
0: Right. But eventually that car arrives to its destination. They are going to the giant clock down the street. And as they arrive, there are like two flying whatever ships around the clock. And they walk in to see that they have six drones. They have big drones that can go up to 100 kilometers. And, you know, as they're talking to the assistant who's flying the drones about perhaps who has the ability to fly them and who was here last night. And the employee was like, yeah, I I, I can't tell you that. But beyond the daughter of Lady True walks up and she's like, I can be incredibly helpful. Let me be helpful.
1: And she takes them to the vivarium a greenhouse that lady true has built and filled with native vietnamese flora so that she can always carry a piece of vietnam with her and they don't allow Petey to come poor Petey. they're like no girls only no boys allowed
0: they literally don't invite him to the ladies only treehouse and gumby pete has to stay back in the car a little side note uh adrian veit had a vivarium in his antarctic lab and lady true has one now too after meeting, they kind of exchanged
1: some coded Vietnamese messages. Angela speaks Vietnamese, apparently. Lady True says, the old man wants to know if you found the pills. And she's like, tell the old man to go fuck himself.
0: They say this in Vietnamese back and forth to each other. Just assuming that Lori Blake doesn't talk Vietnamese. But why wouldn't she? Right? Like, what? What are they? Ass- how are they assuming that Lori Blake is going to be outside of this conversation? I don't think there's any way Lori Blake didn't know what they just said to each other.
1: Well, I assume Lori probably cannot speak Vietnamese. It's not like it's a really easy language everyone is out learning. I mean, maybe since it's the 51st state, it's possible. But I I would be more worried that Lori's just got a wire on her.
0: Right, yeah. The, wh- who's to say that she doesn't or isn't recording herself at all? True also says condolences for Judd and that's where she said you know that there's an expression for of grief that I'd like to tell you about where she starts to say the secret to Angela about uh, Angela's grandfather and if if Angela found the pills which we bring up the pills again and we'll have to talk again at the end uh, more about exactly what these pills do because I think more than who we believe are taking the pills are taking the pills right now. Oh, I can't wait for the theory section. It's gonna be so juicy, dude.
1: Then we get another one of the bizarre Gonzo Adrian fight sequences.
0: Uh, the best show on television? I again, I've said this in the past, but I will expound upon it today. This show is my first and fifth favorite television show on in t- on television. The fifth one is set in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's really good, but it's not. It I don't think it's better than like all my other favorite shows. And then Adrian Veidt's show because this is two shows, is the best show on television. I love it so much. On a night, by the way, where Rick and Morty also premiered its fourth season, and I watched that first episode. This is, I don't I don't know if it's supposed to be hot takey or not, but I liked season one, episode four of Watchmen better than the premiere of Rick and Morty last night. And both were great.
1: So first he's in the lake, kind of fishing for little pale baby monsters. Right,
0: using crab and he- crabbing techniques to fish for babies as you do
1: and i guess he's looking for a a male and a female baby because he's throwing a few back because they're not right eventually he gets them he brings them home and this was the most disturbing part of the series so far for me He, he puts the like the little emaciated worm babies into the spinning oven where they turn into adult Mr. Phillips and Miss Crookshanks.
0: So the babies in the lake are clones. So we have to ask ourselves, who put those clone babies there? Was it Adrian himself? Probably not. So was it Dr. Manhattan or was it Lady True? And as they are microwaved, the two clones are, we are invited to hashtag DongWatch2019 once again, although it is a similar dong to two episodes ago because it is, again, Mr. Phillips's. Adrian says, happy birthday to them, and explains to them basically the whole crux of what the clone thing is. He's their master, Uh, they aren't incredibly conscious or have a purpose, their purpose is to like, you know, him being their master, and he asks them, do you know who you are? Which is a deeply philosophical question, and he says, of course you don't. You are flaws in this thoughtless design, inferring that it's not his own design, and like we assumed he's in a prison although we've been assuming most of the time that dr manhattan has him in prison on mars and i don't think that's true anymore his first
1: job for them is to clean up the desecrated corpses of the several clone servants that he killed last night in a fit of rage i guess
0: yeah he got drunk and murdered all his clones so you know how that goes
1: and then the next day, he's built an enormous catapult, which he is then having Phillips and Crookshanks launch the corpses of the dead clones into the sky where they are vanishing into the clouds.
0: There's another horseshoe joke prior to this. He literally grabs the horseshoe out of one of the Mr. Phillips's hands. He's like, I don't need it yet. And then we, again, like we said, go to the, the siege weaponry. One goes up into the clouds. He shouts, Phenomenal. And James, I don't want to get off this Adrian Vite ride. Watchmen is a great show. It has my first and fifth favorite shows in it. it is this is, my, this is my first favorite show. This is the best. And also, he says four years. Four years, he says. So, perhaps every time we see him is a new year, confirmed.
1: Angela and Cal back at home are on the sofa. Cal. Well, Angela's mad that, that he spoke to Lori without telling her. And he's like, don't worry, I lied for you, even though I hate lying. And they talk about everything that's happening and the strain it's had on them mentally. And then
0: they go bang in the closet again. We're going to talk a little bit about this conversation later again. But yeah, Cal has come off as... He's very level-headed, right? Or perhaps too matter-of-fact for his own good.
1: Here's the thing. I I like everyone in this show. I probably like Cal the least. Just because he is like... Seems like a real static, goody two-shoes character.
0: I think in retrospect, as we're re-watching, Cal's character will be more interesting the second time around because of things we don't know yet.
1: At Lady True's clock compound, Beyond wakes up from a bad dream. She's seemingly having a dream about the Vietnam War. Lady True consoles her, but doesn't want to walk her back to the room because she is entertaining Will. Will. Who is there?
0: As Beyond wakes up, she removes an IV from her arm. So she was being pumped full of something. The dream she had, or nightmare, was that men came, burned everything down, made us walk. Her feet still hurt from walking for so long. Lady True responds, Good. And as you said, will not walk her back to bed. Beyond says goodnight to Mr. Reeves, and she goes away. So Beyond's a clone, right? She's totally a clone.
1: You think she's a clone of Lady True? and she, what, she's, she's downloading all her memories? Yeah,
0: either Lady True or Lady True's mom or Lady True's grandma who lived what was happening as, like, the comedian was ravaging through Vietnam. And so I think she's looking for something using her daughter. Like, she's looking for a memory of her mother or her grandmother, perhaps when they died. Like, the comedian shot and killed a pregnant woman in Vietnam in the comic, I believe. And so it's possible that Lady True's mother or grandmother was that person, and she's looking for that exact moment in time to to watch it through her clone baby. That would
1: be weird. That would make Lady True Lori's half-sister, but I... I don't know. I, uh, I think it was. it's pretty clear in the comic, at least, that the comedian killed that woman. I mean, Dr. Manhattan pretty much confirms it, and he would know.
0: But he could also bring that woman back to life, right, if he chose? I don't know. That's true, 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 yeah.
1: true. Yeah, we don't see what happens next to her.
0: The IV is, as we are about to learn, the same as the pills that Reeves takes. Same pills that Lady True makes with her pharmaceutical company. And at this moment... You, you, so, okay, we'll talk about the, we can talk about, I guess we want to talk about the pills an hour later. All right, well, let's, let's end the show. How dare you? I think that's a good move. She questions Will on why
1: he's doing this whole charade with the pills. Why doesn't he just explain everything to Angela? And Will says, you know, this is too profound that I can't give it to her all at once. So she won't accept it. I have to drip feed it to her. And he says, it's the same thing you're doing to your daughter. And then she questions whether his devotion to their plan, if he's all in. He says, you know, in three days, everyone's going to know what I did and Angela's going to hate me. So, of course, I'm all in. Three days. Tick tock, tick tock. Time, time, time is on my side.
0: Lady True asks if his feet are going to get cold because there's family involved, so it's messy. And then he t- stands up and he said, my feet aren't cold. My feet are just fine. I was like, oh, my God. He doesn't need a wheelchair. He doesn't need a wheelchair. All right, let's get into
1: the wild theories and speculations. What are these pills? Some kind of fountain of youth pills that
0: let you walk when you're 100? So the theories on the internet say that the pills are like nostalgia pills. So you take them and you can have visions through your DNA to like feelings, emotions, or moments in your past. So that's why... It, it was possible that Judd wasn't snorting cocaine, he was snorting this pill, so that's why Angela, when she hugged him, was thrown back into a flashback. OB Reeves is taking the pill, when Angela hugs him, she's thrown back into something as well. It's probably also what Lady True is making in her vivarium. They're nostalgia pills, James. Or, I'm completely wrong.
1: Alright, so the red pills, you take the red pill, like the Matrix, and, but it's nostalgia. Okay, I can buy that.
0: So, but this, I think all will, it will fill in some context as to what is happening with Adrian Vite, who, probably not on Mars, there's a transition from the moon in this episode, so... The inference is that he's on the moon and that he's not being kept by Dr. Manhattan at all. And Lady True is the one who has locked him somewhere for some reason. And we're not 100% sure what that timeline is as compared to the regular timeline. And I'm sure that will be told to us later. But also, you know, Reeves and Lady True have a plan that's happening in three days. And it's going to make Angela hate William. So... What could that plan possibly be and doesn't have anything to do with our friend Calvin and his true identity, James?
1: So if Will was a cop in early 20th century New York City, then he is most likely an associate of the original Night Owl, who would have been a cop around the same time. And definitely Will has some connection to the, the early watchmen storyline the Minutemen storyline
0: if william isn't hooded justice i'll be surprised yeah that's interesting pd is definitely
1: lube man you know we don't really have any evidence for that other than the fact that they're both skinny but let's just lock that one in
0: yeah right yeah he is lube man uh i also think lady true is lady true and william's plan i think has to do with dr manhattan and i if you want to get into this now we can i think calvin is dr manhattan and by the way i didn't come up with that at all okay the internet by episode four is deep in the show they really brought the juice this the week How is is dr manhattan okay so he often insists he said over and over again that dr manhattan can't look like people he just keeps saying that over and over again he can't look like people no that's crazy he can't look like people but what if he is dr manhattan and it makes sense for him to be like he can't look like people but he totally does because he looks like me because he is me okay well will is dr manhattan no no calvin the husband angela's husband is what this theory says also if you see a picture that i posted on the twitters today when on the white Night during that scene cal was looking at the clock like he knew what was about to happen when it struck 12 and then he kind of gets out of the way, and we don't see him during the fight. Like he just gets out of the way and doesn't come back or in, and help his his wife at all. As the second assailant shoots her, shoots her an amount that like should kill her, and then the second assailant puts the gun up to her head, and she wakes up in the hospital. And Judd is acting real weird. So the theory says that. And by the way, the picture I posted today is the last moment as she's dying, about to get shot in the head with a shotgun. She's saying the word Cal, Cal, over and over again. And in her eyes is a reflection of something blue. So the theory says Cal went off to the side, was forced in that moment to be Dr. Manhattan to save Angela, who he is with for some unknown reason at the moment. And Judd walks in on this for some reason, knows that Cal is Dr. Manhattan. So does Lady True, Somehow, so does William Reeves somehow. And what's happening in three days is going to make Dr. Manhattan like come out of his shell again, like they know he can and could and did the Night of the White Knight to save Angela that one time. And they want him to come out for some reason. So they have to do something, which that's what Angela will never, she'll never be fine with. Okay, so maybe there was a bit of foreshadowing in this
1: episode. Laurie says something like, oh, my ex used to da-da-da-da-da.
0: And she's hitting on Calvin the whole time, who is possibly her actual ex. Right. but So
1: Angela says, well, he sounds interesting. And then Laurie says, well, he's no Cal.
0: Right. He literally could be Cal.
1: Okay. Interesting. I don't know if I buy that fully, but I'll go down with you down
0: that Yay. road. Yay! Okay. Again, this is, Reddit is the best. They've been digging. I'm just deep in the halls with my goggles on, my, my red goggles, just deep down there, getting all the juice. Interesting. So we actually we got a lot of
1: tweets this week, but uh most of them are about our show, not about the show Westwell. But I'll read them anyway because I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, appreciation based reading.
1: Penny for the best name at he owes me five bucks. Love and miss you guys. I don't have HBO, but I am listening. But uh,
0: this is a good show. Don't let us spoil the whole thing for you. If Penny Feather best name a person who has named their Twitter after a phrase from our show. Hashtag Penny Feather Best Name, and, uh, referring to Clementine Pennyfeather, Feather, the person with the best name in Westworld. Hashtag Penny Feather Best Name. If they, what, they can say whatever and do whatever they want.
1: At Josh Lorian, what's your thoughts on the baby crab trap scene? Who is making them Lady True? Dr. Manhattan, I think Lady True. And what the hell? Silver Sardine. <laughs> what's he talking about, Silver Sardine? You mean Lube Man? oh could be the silver sardine i I want
0: (laughs) a full lube man based movie i want an hour and a half of lube man please the lube man chronicles anyway yeah i think lady true is making the babies
1: (laughs) yeah i think she's put him in kind of i don't know it's it seems like he's like in in the movie the cell like maybe he's locked in lady true's mind palace or
0: something (laughs) i love the idea of a mind palace there was a whole sherlock season there was like let's just make him have a mind palace done but uh, i think he's on the moon i don't know why he's on the moon or why lady true put him there and i don't know why he has just like an army of clones at his disposal if he created them or if lady true did but you know he's launching them into space getting ready to launch himself into space so We'll see. Isaac
1: X at iBot2000 said, Discovered you guys looking for a Watchmen recap slash review podcast.
0: So far have loved your weekly thoughts. Thank you. No, Isaac. Thank you. Thank you, man. I was basically asleep for two of them. And you got this far. That's so nice of you.
1: He has another tweet. So the servants aren't robots? Furthering your Dr. Manhattan prisoner theory? Yeah, they're not... They may not even be clones in the traditional sense. They could be like weird... Pod people, like they're all from the same litter of of artificial homunculi. That, that would be
0: better, but I, but I think they're clones.
1: Wendy King at Wendy Ann King says, I'm loving the show and listening to you guys just helps prolong the enjoyment. Well, I'm loving your tweets, Wendy, and it prolongs my enjoyment.
0: Also, thank you for the spicy nuggets. I appreciate them.
1: And you. The preview for next week's episode looked great. It's about looking glass. He's in... <laughs> in some kind of group therapy for people afraid of the alternate dimensions, which is, uh, pretty wacky.
0: It's like AA, but their version, they're just afraid that there are other dimensions that they don't know anything about. And it's truly affected, you know, something that we understand to not be real, right? They uh, have been fed a lie that the space squid was real and they don't know that Ozymandias did it killing 3 million people and stopping a world war, but there are people who know, so it will be interesting to see. I don't know if we're going to get it next week, even when Looking Glass has a storyline the entire time. And But also he has the pills, so does he take those pills next week and how do they affect him?
1: Yeah, it's interesting and also sad that like everyday people now live in terror of interdimensional squids that aren't coming. Except that it's raining squids. Who's making that happen? Is that an unintended side effect of what Ozymandias did? Or is Lady True doing that to perpetuate the lie? It's strange. And it's interesting to think about that, like, the 7th Calvary, the bad guys, they believe the truth because it's written in Rorschach's journal. Whereas, like, the decent everyday people believe in the lie. Except probably with the exception of, like, Lady True and Will. Are probably, if they are good guys, the only good guys who aren't, haven't been duped. Well, and Lori.
0: Right. But Lori is completely. She was there. Yeah. She was literally there. Actually, there's this fun entry on PDPedia, the HBO companion piece that's on the HBO website for the Watchmen. They now have four things up there. They're all really neat. Actually, the last one is a full dossier of Lori Blake's when she's talking to the cops after she and. Night Owl two get arrested in '95. It's a complete breakdown of what she says to the cops that leads her to you know the eventually at the end is like by the way you can't do anything to me. I know what happened on '11 two. So tell your bosses because you're gonna have to give me something other than jail, which you know may be like a job perhaps.
1: If you're just listening to the show, it means a lot to us. We want to thank you. If you want to go the extra mile, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at James Watches Men. He's at Westworld Ryan. You can subscribe to us on the Apple Podcast or Google Play or Stitcher or SoundCloud. And if you really want to go the extra mile, Brian and I do this as a passion project. We eat the fees of hosting the audio. And if you want to help support the show, you could hit us up on Patreon like some of our lovely patrons already do.
0: We're talking about Lee. We're talking about John Jers. We're talking about Craig. We're talking about Carol. And we're talking about Bacaman. Hey, guys, super thankful for the money. Hey, what do you think that comet was, dude? Yeah, who
1: knows? Maybe it's the red comet from Game of Thrones that never went anywhere, that, that never came back and was never explained. So it came back in Watchmen. That's how powerful it was. It came back in the next HBO show.
0: And somehow is, has something to do with Dr. Manhattan. Do you think this is a mini, se- like this is the second mini series I've watched on HBO in a row now. This is Chernobyl, a mini series at five episodes and Watchmen, a mini series at nine episodes. It was originally 10, but they cut one because they were like, the story is more important than the length. If it's going to be 10, it could be nine. So do you think Game of Thrones going eight seasons, having a weird last season at all affected us? watching miniseries on hbo right now not full-length shows you know other than his dark materials which i have feelings about as well
1: as you were saying perhaps the artistic integrity of keeping it as a miniseries is you know gonna create a better piece of art in the end but you know as a selfish media hog who just wants to consume consume
0: consume i want it to be more than one season and wouldn't you think hbo would too if it does very obviously they would right like we lost Game of Thrones recently. We lost the way to get people here consistently every Sunday night. When Westworld comes back, depending on its quality in its season three, that will depend. Obviously, that's good. His Dark Materials is occurring right now, something that they threw a lot of money at, and they want very badly to be good. I'll be honest with you. I've tried to watch it twice now, the pilot episode, and I have fallen asleep both times. Eventually, perhaps I'll get there, but it's not. I watched the pilot episode of The Watchmen, too didn't fall asleep.
1: Yeah, let us know if you want to do his dark materials after this guys, especially you patrons. You 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 got you you get two votes instead of one vote.
0: Wow. You guys own 51% of this company, the James and Ryan do podcasting company. The voters, you're the you're the voters. You have the the votes. Nice.
1: Catch us here next week when we recap and review episode 5, already more than halfway through. Of HBO's Watchmen, entitled Little Fear of Lightning, directed by Steph Green, written by Damon Lindelof and Carly Ray.
0: I hope there's so much more juice next week, James. I have subscribed to the juice, and I want to drink it. The juice is loose. There's no evidence to suggest otherwise that the juice isn't loose. The juice is loose! I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Watchmen Podcast Nice work getting that word good. Oh, no problem, dude. With the power of the juice, anything is possible.